The Trump administration is blaming the coronavirus for its decision to stop renewing visas for certain foreign workers. Turns out there were more blackface jokes than a lot of people realized in 30 Rock. And we've got Yahoo Sports columnist Jay Busby with us to talk about how NASCAR needs to confront its racist past and move into the future. The date, June 23rd, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. We're just going to jump right in today and give you the TLDR, the most important headlines for the day brought to the top of your feed. Here are three things you need to know today. One, the Trump administration put forward a new rule limiting the renewal of certain visas for foreign workers. The new order will suspend H-1B visas for specialized, highly skilled workers, most H-2B visas for non-agricultural seasonal workers, most J-1 visas for exchange visitors, and the L-1 visa, which is used by companies to internally transfer foreign employees to the U.S. Now, people already in the U.S. will not be affected by this decision, nor will people whose visas have already been approved. This is all in the name of protecting U.S. jobs and health as the economy recovers post-pandemic, the administration claims. But immigration advocates say that the administration has been using the pandemic to put the squeeze on legal immigration routes, declaring a freeze on new green cards being issued, and further limiting the ability to claim asylum at the border. Two. Coronavirus cases are continuing to surge in states around the country, threatening the odds of pro sports returning at all this year. There are now spikes in not just the number of cases, but also the percentage of tests coming back positive in over half of the states in the U.S. Florida in particular has seen a surge that's pushed their total number of COVID-19 cases to about 100,000 since the pandemic began earlier this year. That's bad for a lot of reasons, including the return of professional sports. The NBA has been planning on isolating players and staff at Disney World for the entire season to be able to play, a plan that's looking less and less probable every day. Just yesterday, the Orlando Pride pulled out of a month-long women's soccer tournament that was meant to replace this year's season because six players and four staffers have tested positive for coronavirus. And Major League Baseball shut down training facilities in Florida and Arizona late last week in light of the rising cases there. It seems likely at this point that baseball might not return at all this year after the Players' Union voted down a proposal for a reduced season. Three. A U.S. soldier allegedly gave classified information to a far-right group in Europe that has satanic leanings. Federal prosecutors yesterday alleged that Ethan Meltzer, a private in the U.S. Army, joined a group called the Order of the Nine Angles, or ONA, a year after enlisting in 2018. O9A is a group that, according to the court filings, quote, espoused violent, neo-Nazi, anti-Semitic, and satanic beliefs and have expressed admiration for both Nazi such as Adolf Hitler, and Islamic jihadists such as Osama bin Laden. Prosecutors also say that when Meltzer learned that his unit was deploying to Turkey, he began plotting an attack against his fellow Americans, passing on movements to an alleged al-Qaeda member in hopes of provoking a, quote, jihadi attack that would keep the U.S. at war in the Middle East for another decade. This is the latest in a string of revelations that have surfaced in the last month, all of which feature members of the military attempting to start a racist war. What is happening? I don't know, Casey. It's bad, though. Like, wow. I mean, given the fact that for the last half of our lives, we've been really focused in the U.S. on radicalization amongst, you know, 
Muslims and people who are coming to the U.S. I'm not surprised that all of this, you know, far right white supremacist terror is really bubbling up to the surface when it just has not been addressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised by anything ever anymore. That's ever. just the level everyone should be at. I do have another quick question. I'm going to yes. need you to follow up on all these athletes quarantining at Disney World because the last I read was that like Disney World was thinking of opening. So now that's not the case. And now it's just like an Olympic village for American athletes. Oh, no, you underestimate the power of Disney. It'd be oh, both. No. Oh, yeah, it would, no. They would still have their little coronavirus quarantine bubble happening in like certain resorts and certain arenas. But, you know, the rest of Disney World would still be open for the public. So they're really, really pushing the, the envelope in terms of health care here in Florida. All right. It's time for today's good news, bad news. Some good news. We now finally know the truth behind the iconic Aaron Carter song, That's How I Beat Shaq. For those of you who don't remember this classic, Aaron Carter, who's the younger brother of the Backstreet Boys, Nick Carter, released this smash all the way back in 2001. Side note, is anyone else one of those people who, when they hear 2001, thinks that it was five years ago? Because that's me. Anyways, <laughs> back to the good news. When speaking with E! News yesterday, former NBA star Shaquille O'Neal revealed how he got such a banger in the first place. And it turns out there is a lot of truth in the lyrics. So it all started because the Backstreet Boys recorded their first album in Shaq's studio, which I'm going to need a lot of background history on that, maybe an oral history. But uh, apparently little brother Aaron would sometimes tag along. And according to Shaq, they played horse together one day and Aaron beat him on the basketball court. (laughs) Shortly after, Aaron came back and asked Shaq's permission to do the song and be in the video and the rest is history. So turns out Aaron was telling us the facts all along. That's the most delightful fucking story I've heard in a long time. <laughs> I, I, what do you think? Do you think that Shaq let him win? Or do you think that Aaron Carter really beat Shaq? I don't know. I'm going to want to know, like, was this like a legit like basketball court kind of situation? Because if it was, Shaq let him win. But if like the hoop was like lowered in any way. <laughs> why would the hoop be lowered anyway? How would that, how would that hurt Shaq? I know Shaq was terrible at well, free throws because, back in the day, but yeah. what? Well, because you're training. I'm not a professional athlete, but if I was training to throw a ball, I would be used to my arms moving at a certain angle. So if it's lowered, (laughs) I don't know, Hayes, I don't think you're thinking logically here. (laughs) Oh, my bad. (laughs) Okay. And the bad news for people who didn't realize there were blackface jokes in 30 Rock, there were definitely blackface jokes in 30 Rock. And not just once or twice, four times. That includes series star Jenna Maloney wearing blackface twice and then John Hamm also wearing blackface in the show's second live episode. Now, at the request of executive producer Robert Carlock and show creator Tina Fey, the episodes that use the minstrel era trope have been removed from syndication and streaming services like Hulu. In a statement about the decision, Tina Fey said, quote, I understand now that intent is not a free pass for white people to use these images. I apologize for pain they have caused. Going forward, no comedy-loving kid needs to stumble on these tropes and be stung by their ugliness. I thank NBC Universal for honoring this request. 
And they did fast, too. I was looking around and you really can't find the clips that they're talking about anywhere anymore. Yeah. You know, I think about shows like 30 Rock and The Office a lot. Um, 30 Rock because, you know, they were doing satire. um, And then The Office, who it revolves around someone who is not politically correct. And it's like, okay, yes, you've stated both of those things up front. But how much leeway does that actually give you? So that's just like, you know, and I think that's something that Tina Fey is clearly reflecting on now. Right. I mean, it goes back to when we were in like high school, college age, that was all the humor of the aughts was all about, well, yeah, I know that this is like a thing where it could be racist, but you have to understand it's all about pointing out why that's dumb. The person that they have saying the racist thing or doing the racist thing is, you know, usually displayed as an idiot, as someone who just doesn't know what they're doing. And that, you know, at the time was like, oh, we're laughing at that person, not the, you know, stereotype they're presenting. But as it turns out, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Exactly. That's the same way I think about, um, you know, for The Office, they did like a lot of gay jokes that were directed at Oscar. And it's just like, okay, Michael's this idiot who doesn't understand homosexuality and blah, 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 blah. But it's that same thing. It's like, oh, well, do we really want to hear these gay jokes all the time? Right. Uh, Answer, no. And I'm glad they pulled them down. Okay. When we come back, we've got Yahoo Sports columnist Jay Busby discuss NASCAR with us. Stay right there. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.comslash 2022. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Being a real estate agent isn't about listing houses. It's about connecting to people. I need to find new buyers every day. So I promote my listings using radio commercials from iHeartAdBuilder.com. Now every time I have an open house, it's a full house. A custom radio ad from iHeart Ad Builder is the fast, affordable way to drive customers to your business. Put the power of radio to work for you. Get started now at iHeartAdBuilder.com. Welcome back. NASCAR has been an unlikely agent of change as professional sports leagues reckon with the way racism affects their players, or in this case, their drivers. Earlier this month, NASCAR announced that Confederate flags would be banned from their official races. But then on Sunday, a noose was found in the garage of Bubba Wallace, the only full-time black driver racing in the top circuit who also led the campaign to ban the Confederate flag. And yesterday, yet another noose was found at a separate NASCAR venue in California. 
To discuss the recent incidents and how NASCAR can move forward, we're talking to Yahoo Sports columnist Jay Busby. Thanks for joining us, Jay. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Of course. First, can you give us an update on the Bubba Wallace incident? What do we know from investigations so far? Yeah, they're still keeping it fairly quiet, which as is as you would expect with the FBI involved. The main issue here is that there's only a limited number of people that could actually be in the garage because of, of the coronavirus pandemic. The NASCAR has, has basically shut down all of its tracks to essential personnel. So this is not like some whodunit mystery or some 12-episode Netflix series. You've got to keep <laughs> You've got a fairly tight pool of potential suspects. They also want to be aware of just how how uh, provocative and, and how disturbing a topic this is. So there's there's an, uh, they're trying to avoid a rush to judgment. They've got to figure out what camera angles are available. So this is a long way of saying the investigation is still ongoing, but uh, I, I think that we're all hopeful that it will come to a conclusion soon. So. Besides that incident on Sunday, there were also reports that despite NASCAR's ban, there were some Confederate flags spotted near the track and also one flying overhead on Sunday. Jay, you've been covering NASCAR for over a decade now. For people who haven't been to a race, how prevalent was the Confederate flag at those events? It had been diminishing. I mean, over the course of the last 20 years or so, it had been diminishing. It was obviously very present in the, in the 70s and 80s. I mean, it was, it was on the covers of race programs. The Southern 500 in Darlington had the Confederate flag as, as its, as its organizing symbol. But the, the farther along that NASCAR moved into the 21st century, the more it tended to just push itself away from that. There was all, you were always going to see Confederate flags, but you would see a lot more American flags. You would see a lot more flags of Dale Earnhardt or other drivers. What changed that was in 2015, in the wake of the Charleston massacre, NASCAR, for its its race that was in Darlington, in South Carolina, uh, asked fans not to bring Confederate flags. And telling NASCAR fans not to do something is the surest way to get them to do something. So at that point, it flared back up. Uh, I was at that race right after that. There were literally hundreds of Confederate flags everywhere. And, and ever since there's been a, a small but persistent kind of undercurrent of people that will bring the flags just because they know that it ticks off a certain segment of the NASCAR uh, administration and leadership. So then it makes sense that Confederate flags have popped up based on that uh, and the current ban. Do you know how NASCAR is planning to enforce the ban going forward? <laughs> that, that is the tricky part. And and, and I would never in, in any circumstance suggest that, that the quarantine or the keeping out of fans has been a good thing. But it worked to NASCAR's favor because certainly if, if there had been fans in the stands for and fans in the infield and fans with their campers and RVs, the, the ban would not have gone down as easily as it has because they basically said, you can't bring your, your, your flag to the track, but you also can't come to the track yourself, which kind of solves the problem right there. How's it going to happen? I don't know. I mean, it, it, there's going to be some people that are going to defy it. And, and how far is NASCAR willing to go to have their security say, hey, take that flag down? Are they willing to bring in law enforcement? I don't know. I mean, they, they may have to be in order to get this secured, but they've kicked that can a few weeks or months down the road, but that is a fight they are going to have later this year. Right, I'm sure. So obviously there's nothing inherently racist 
about auto racing itself. You're driving a car around a track, nothing super racist about that. But you can't help but notice there are so few black NASCAR drivers, and that also coincides with this culture of flying Confederate flags of racist. How did we get to this point? I mean, why is it that you don't really see black faces on the track? Is there any sort of correlation there? I'm just really curious. Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into it, and it has to do with NASCAR's southern origins. It, it, NASCAR, as you may know, uh, began when uh, drivers who would who would uh, bootleg moonshine from the hills of North Carolina, the hills of North Georgia, down to the metropolitan areas. These guys were amazing, astonishing drivers. And so a number of promoters, among them Bill France, the creator of NASCAR, said, hey, let's let's get all these guys organized. Let's let's have a circuit. Let's put this all together. And it was a predominantly white uh, group. I mean, it was almost mostly uniformly white. And it just kind of grew up where it was a cultural thing where rural and southern whites were attracted to it for any number of reasons. And it's almost a chicken and the egg sort of situation. NASCAR, you're right, itself. NASCAR isn't itself racist, but there are an awful lot of racists who like NASCAR. And it sort of has, has perpetuated over uh, the course of the years. And the problem with breaking that is that getting into NASCAR is not as simple as getting into other sports. Basketball, all you need is a ball and a hoop. Baseball, all you need is a, a ball and a glove. NASCAR requires a, a substantial long-term cash investment to get a driver up to the level where he or she can compete at any kind of level in NASCAR. And that's just, that's not available to a lot of people, but it's particularly not available to, to drivers of color, drivers uh, who, who do not come from a tremendous amount of money or have access to that money. So, there are there are long-term systemic continuous barriers to minority involvement in NASCAR that I am I am hopeful that the sport is going to address those fundamental systemic issues as well as, uh, as as just putting a ban on the flag. So moving forward, what else do you think NASCAR needs to do to make their races more inviting to more people outside of the good old boys that most people think of as their fan base? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's so many different aspects of it. In terms of NASCAR itself, I think that they need to just open their doors. They, they need to convince people. They need to have people that are already there say, hey, make it more welcoming. Bring somebody who's never been to a race. And and I hereby invite both of you, if, you're ever, if we're ever in the same city, I would love to take both of you to a NASCAR race because... You know, once you get past that perception of, oh, it's a bunch of crazy rednecks, it is the best fun that you will have in an afternoon. It's, I mean, the, the watching the racing, watching the cars go in circles is only part of it. You're hanging out, you know, you're having drinks, you're cooking out, you're, you're with your friends. It's a, it's, a, it's a giant tailgate party, and it's tremendous, tremendous fun, and that has no color bias. But what I've already seen is that, that a number of people, a number of high-profile athletes and others have said, hey, I'm interested in NASCAR now because they've gotten rid of the flag. And so I'm hopeful that once we get closer to opening the gates to, to full crowds, that you'll see a more diverse crowd. Um, but that's that's on the fan level. There also has to be work done on the corporate level, and that's a whole separate issue. But on the, the most basic fan level is the more that someone can go to a track and, and see in the stands next to them people that look like them, the more likely they are to come back. That makes total sense to me. Jay, thank you so much for joining us and breaking this all down for us. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you all very much. Okay, so Hayes, we've been doing this podcast together for like two months now and talking every day. And, you know, I'm just really curious about what you've learned from me along the way. <gasps> okay. Um, 
pop quiz time, I guess. Sure. <laughs> yes, definitely a pop quiz time. Okay, so as you know, I just love TV and film in general, but especially teen movies from the 90s and aughts. And I just happened upon this very good BuzzFeed quiz by Victoria Gasparovich called Can You Match the Quote to the Correct Aughts Teen Movie? I, you know what? I'm feeling confident today. Let's do this. I think I think I got this. You should be confident. I think you can do it, especially because according to the headline, if you've seen at least five aughts teen movies, you can correctly identify these movie <laughs> quotes. And I'm sure you've seen at least five, right? At least, yes. <laughs> okay, perfect. So I just picked a few of the questions from this quiz to test your knowledge. I'm going to say the quote from a teen movie and give you an option of two movies to pick from. And all you have to do is pick the right one. It's a 50-50 chance. Love those odds. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Because waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought. Useless and disappointing. That's either from A, High School Musical, or B, A Cinderella Story. Oh, man. I feel like... You have chosen the perfect first question because I've actually seen neither of those in my life. So I hate you. I know. I'm sorry. I just, which one would even have a drought? Okay, you know what? Let's go with High School Musical. It's in California. Eh. It's a Cinderella story. I know that guy that sent those emails somewhere down inside of you. But I can't wait for him. Because waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought. Useless and disappointing. Damn you, Hillary Duff. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious because in a previous episode of the podcast, you knew what movie I was talking about based on the poster for a Cinderella story, but you've never seen it. Don't uh, know what yeah, it is. Yeah, because the poster was ubiquitous at the time I was going <laughs> to the movies. Duh. Okay, on to number two. I'll have a pina colada, not virgin. Want to see my ID? Totally have it. That is either from A, 13 going on 30, or B, 17 again. Mm, let's go with A. 13 going ding, on 30. ding, 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 yes. ding, ding, ding. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Minor redemption. I was so um, scared okay. for a second. Have you actually seen 13 going on 30? Because I'll be upset if you haven't seen that movie. Oh, look, my coffee. Delicious. Hmm. Hazel! <laughs> okay, you need to see it. It's I iconic. Know, I do. It is so wonderful. Truly wonderful. Okay, on to number three. I told you not to fall in love with me. That's either A, a walk to remember, or B, blue crush. That is, ooh, wait, I want to say that's A, Walk to Remember. Correct, Hayes. Now would be the time to say something. I told you not to fall in love with me. Oh, man, I was really worried for a second. Listen, it is a pivotal moment in that very, very sad movie. Right, but both of them are really sad movies, so I couldn't be true, sure what the exact one, the exact line. <laughs> okay. Okay, number four. Don't slack off because you feel sorry for us. That way, when we beat you, we'll know it's because we're better. A, step up. B, bring it on. <sighs> I'm 90% sure. It's been so long since I've seen either of them, so I'm going to go with my gut and say, B, bring it on. Correct. Gabrielle oh, Union yes. said that. Okay, yes, what's the current did. score again? I actually think you're three correct, one wrong, right? You're that's, doing well. Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Here's the final one. Because you saw me when I was invisible. A, the Lizzie McGuire movie. B, the Princess Diaries. <sighs> I'm going to go with 
B, Mia Thermopolis and the Princess Diaries. Oh, yes. Why me? Because you saw me when I was invisible. Good one to end on. Good yes. one to end on, Hayes. You did well. You got four out of five right. I am incredibly proud of you. We Thank were off you. to a rocky start in the beginning, <laughs> but then you just soared. Much and like I'm many gonna... teen movies, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but but in all seriousness, um, you're going to need to watch all the movies on here that you haven't seen yet. <laughs> Every one of them, yeah. That's my new goal. <laughs> We only did five questions from this quiz, but if you want to test your own 2000s teen movie knowledge, you can take the rest at BuzzFeed.com and let us know how many you can get right. Well, that's it for today. Join us tomorrow for an examination into what the hell is going on with the recent explosion of fireworks around the country. And remember, you two can beat Shaq in a game of horse. All you have to do is believe in yourself. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. Hi, I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of the Dr. Sex Reese Show. And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues. And yes, I despise every minute of it. I yeah. mean, she, she made mistakes too, right? That's I mean, true. She, she did she, kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real. We're all trapped here. And there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Dr. Sex Reese Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Raffi is the voice of some of the happiest songs of our generation. Baby Beluga. So who is the man behind Baby Beluga? Every human being wants to feel respected. When we start with young children, all good things can grow from there. I'm Chris Garcia, comedian, new dad, and host of Finding Raffi, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Fatherly. Listen every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Look through your children's eyes, and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.